the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7 for the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. There is no shortage of things to talk about today. We've got uh, some... Interesting storylines coming out of Tuscaloosa that we'll talk about with uh, Nick Saban making some comments earlier about a player on his team, Tony Mitchell, who has been suspended from the Alabama football team, and Saban had some interesting comments to say about that situation and whether it relates to another situation that's been happening in Tuscaloosa. So we'll break all that down coming up in just a few minutes. We'll have question of the day. We'll sort of talk some more about uh, Auburn basketball and how the season ended, what this offseason could look like for Auburn and Bruce Pearl and what the roster might look like this time or coming to the start of next year for Auburn basketball. So then we'll talk some Auburn Pro Day as the Pro Day going on right now over at the football complex give you some results. Uh, Cam Newton is throwing over there today in the Pro Day and so we'll break all of that down coming up in hour number two. But phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And I just want to hear your thoughts on really anything going on, but especially our starting topic of Nick Saban announced Mm -hmm. and spoke in his press conference about how Tony Mitchell was suspended uh, from the team at Alabama after his arrest in the state of Florida. And if you did not hear his comments, we're going to play those for you in just a second. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on this conversation. 334-321-1390. That is the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. 334-321-1390. You can also tweet at us at ESPN1067 on our Twitter account. And so uh, if you don't don't feel like calling in but you want to get us a comment question concern anything on your mind you can tweet at us at ESPN 1067 we'll check those uh, periodically throughout the show as well but Carter what I mean what is happening with Alabama right now because it, it seems like it's always something over the past couple of months it seems like it's just always something and sure is there a magnifying glass on this on this school right now absolutely but yeah it doesn't it cannot go unnoticed the fact that here is another Alabama athlete who is getting in legal trouble that is the center of all conversation around the state right now. Well, I think there is a magnifying glass. There the, Alabama is under a microscope right now because of everything going on with the basketball program with with Brandon Miller, with Darius Miles, but that group it's something that's uh I mean They've been kind of the center of the college sports news world for the last uh, couple months now uh, with the the 
capital murder case happening there and the involvement of Brandon Miller and how just like news seems to slowly kind of leak out about that. And um, it's it's slowly we, we learn more and more and more about that situation. Um, of course, when something like this happens with Tony Mitchell, um, a freshman defensive back who just enrolled on campus, just signed with Alabama on signing day, if you recall, there was a lot of speculation about could he sign with Auburn on signing day. He ended up signing with Alabama. Um, he got uh, pulled over with a buddy, and I think they had a pretty decent amount of uh, marijuana in the car. They and had think- yes, they had seven thousand dollars in cash and two hundred and twenty-six grams of marijuana were recovered from the vehicle. Yeah, I think it was, um, and then there was. A gun that I don't think was registered that I think may have belonged to the person he was with. Um, but yeah, it was a whole thing. And there was the report that they were driving 141 miles an hour and the police like lost sight of him because it was there's an evading the police situation taking place there. I mean, it's not a good look for an athletic department that's been in the news a lot recently. And I mean, you go back to. I mean, they were even in the news a little bit for for disciplinary reasons or lack thereof in the fall when you had Jermaine Burton mm-hmm. punch a Tennessee fan on the side of her head, and uh, there was no discipline for that. And that was, I thought that was weirdly handled at the time. You and I were fired up on that Monday talking about it. Yes, um, and, rightfully you know, so. And nothing ever happened there, so it's been a weird six months for this Alabama program or this athletic department in general and so Nick Saban announced that Tony Mitchell was suspended uh, by Alabama after his arrest and if you have not heard his comments it's about a 40 second clip want to let you hear that and then we're going to get to the phone line so this is what Nick Saban said listen to his terminology here if you have not heard it this is what Nick Saban had to say in his press conference after talking about spring practice and here's what he said about this Tony Mitchell situation and the wordage that he used for this situation. And again, want you to listen to the uh, to the wordage in particular to what Nick Saban said about Tony Mitchell. Uh, Tony Mitchell has been suspended from the team on uh, all team activities until we gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. And, um, you know, I mean, guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. You got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do, who you associate yourself with, and uh, the situations that you put yourself in. So um, it is what it is, but uh, there is, you know, cause and effect when you make, you know, choices and decisions that uh, put you in bad situations. So, um, uh, Tony Mitchell. And so, interesting words and use of wordage there from Nick Saban. And we'll break that down coming up in just a few minutes. But let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing all right, Ed. What you got? Uh, uh, Beautiful day. Yeah, I was just going to say, concerning the subject you were talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, I heard Paul Feinbaum a couple of years ago. There was something... There was something else that was somebody was trying to interpret, you know, the meaning of some words. And Paul, Paul knows Nick probably as good as any media person could. I, I don't know. He knows him feel that well. But he said, you know, he made this statement. He said, nothing he says is by everything is meant for a reason. 
guys that are called, uh, you know, like, um, it's like on a Tuesday when the news broke that, you know, Brandon Miller, you know, was involved or whatever. Mm-hmm. That we knew, you know, the, the, but uh, he, I, I pointed that I said it's the maddest person on uh, Alabama's campus has to be Nick Saban because, you know, I, I used to work in oil and gas drilling and, and you know, that'd be huge. Also, construction. But, you know, we had Halliburton doing the finishing. We had big drill, you know, drill rig companies mm-hmm. doing the drilling. Um, and other, and, but if, any, if you ever, something happens and you get the authorities and everybody looking at you, you know, all those alphabet agencies, you know, uh, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it, it's never, it's not good. You never want that. Know what I mean? Yeah, you just yeah. you just don't want that un unneeded and unwanted attention that you bring on to yourself or bring on to your program, right? I mean, you just you you don't want things to happen to where you get unnecessary coverage and and get that microscope on you and your program. Exactly, and, and you know, I'm not saying that somebody that that led to somebody you know looking into Tony Mitchell and you know what happened, but I mean, I, I mean. Just this year, you know, you've got three basketball players um, at one thirty, you know, in the morning out in a, at a murder scene. Well, Ed, Ed, according to the new New York Times, it might be four. I, I saw that. Yeah, I did see that, <laughs> and that's kind of interesting too. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and then you know, and you look back past the last couple of years there have been other instances and you know you Miami you, you remember when Jimmy Johnson was uh, or you know, might not remember but mm-hmm. when Jimmy Johnson was at Miami and they you know would show up in fatigue you know or you know they wanted that thug culture but you can't do that this day and time you know what I mean yeah no absolutely I, I, and I, I I don't. I know that Nick Saban does not want to project a thug culture, but that's what the rest of the nation. It's what I can discern. I listen to a lot of national, you know, radio. That's what the rest of the nation is is kind of looking at, you know, and, and kind of judging Alabama on. And it, you know, I, 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 yeah, it, yeah. I mean, and look, that's. That's how a lot of this is or could be perceived, and with with it, it, it doesn't help Alabama's case that it's just one thing after the other after the other, right? And they just it just seems to be stacking up against them on top of how poorly they've handled these situations so far, which is why we played the audio from Nick Saban today and why Mm -hmm. those comments are interesting, and we'll get to those in just a second. But, yeah, I mean, the the perception's not great uh, from the outside looking in on Alabama. Okay, then real real quick, uh, if you could, after the break, Greg Byrne or the public media relations people at Bama, I think both of them have kind of fumbled, but if y'all could kind of address, you know, the AD or – if it one, I don't know. It, it seems like Burns should have had a little more control of this to me. Yeah, 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 we'll definitely talk about it, Ed. Hey, we appreciate the call. It's good to hear from you. Thanks, guys.
That is Ed joining us on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Yeah, and, and again, before we went to Ed on the phone lines, we played the audio uh, from Nick Saban where he talked about Tony Mitchell being uh, being suspended from the team after being arrested after uh, eluding police where he reached a max speed according to the report of 141 miles per hour uh, before later being stopped and that more than seven thousand dollars in cash and 226 grams of marijuana were recovered from his vehicle and Saban came out he said he is suspended from the team and you heard the comments right here he said there is no such thing as wrong place and wrong time. And that is what has gotten everybody stirred up today is was that a shot at Nate Oates in the basketball program? I don't know. And that's what makes this really interesting is that's been the debate all afternoon is was this a shot from Nick Saban to tell Nate Oates you've handled this poorly? Was this a shot at Greg Byrne and PR and the University of Alabama saying, hey, I have discipline in my program. Doesn't seem like that's the case with the basketball program. Or was this just a really, really, really poor choice of words from Nick Saban? I think there's arguments all the way around. Yeah, I mean, I I think when you... There is this narrative that has always been around Nick Saban, and, and Ed referenced it. Everything Nick Saban says has a purpose, has a reason. He's that calculated. He thinks about the reaction before he says it. And you can't tell me. I don't care how singularly focused on football he is and his program. There's so much noise in Tuscaloosa about the um, the connection that everybody, which, I mean, he said it, but Nate Oates with wrong place, wrong time. It's been one of the most talked about things in sports for the last two months. And now when I look at it, there's no way he said that on accident. And and I, I've it's been really interesting to watch some Alabama beat writers and some Alabama fans try to be like, oh, he didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know what he was doing. Uh um there's no way he would do he would say something that is a passive aggressive remark at the basketball program. And I just have a hard time that he would use those words exactly. They're the same words that came out of Nate Oates' mouth. That's not a coincidence for a guy as calculated as this. To me, this is this is Nick Saban sending a message to Greg Byrne, to the athletic department, to the basketball program and Nate Oates. Hey, the way that all this has been handled and how loud and noisy and how bad it's looked from a PR perspective... We got to rein it in because the microscope's too big right now in Tuscaloosa, and I, I don't think he wants that. Yeah. That's just, that's just and, how I perceive it, which is totally speculation on my part. Right, and, and that's what all of this is as of right now is speculation because we don't know what Nick Saban truly meant by that. He hasn't come out to clarify, and I'm curious to see if he does end up coming out and clarifying because we saw Nate Oates when he made these original comments. He had to come out and then clarify what he meant by that and basically apologize that he worded everything incorrectly and had to restate it. And so until Nick Saban says something else, this is all we can go off of is just the fact that he said Tony Mitchell is suspended from the team and 
there is no such thing as wrong place, wrong time. And, and that's what we have to go off of right now is the fact that this is what Saban said. That's the word that he used. This is how he stated it. Does it pertain to Nate Oates? Is it him throwing shade at Nate Oates? Possibly. Or is it just a really poor choice of words by Nick Saban? I, and again, it's perceived by different people different ways. We, talk, we were talking before the show about how Nick Saban, when Nick Saban talks, when Nick Saban opens his mouth, everybody, not just in Tuscaloosa, because I've heard people say this, not just in Tuscaloosa, everybody in mm-hmm. the country around the game of college football, when Nick Saban speaks, everybody shuts up and listens because he knows what he's talking about. Believe it or not, whether you like it or not, he knows what he's talking about. And he always has a reason to the things he says. He always has yeah. a game plan on how he's going to do things. There's a reason he's the greatest to ever do it. And it's not just because of what he does on the field. It's how he works off the field as well. And if you take that mindset into what Saban said today, then you could make the argument that, yes, he meant what he said and he knew what he was saying. But on the other hand, very well could have just been... The wordage that popped into his brain, and that's what he decided to say. I think it's an interesting conversation to go both ways. We got to get to our first break in hour number one. When we come back, we've got two people on the phone lines. We're going to get to you. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Tweet at us at ESPN1067 on Twitter. Your thoughts and opinions on this entire situation as the microscope zooms in even more on Tuscaloosa. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines. Got a couple of callers, 334-321-1390. And Yellowhammer, you're up first. Welcome in. Hey, afternoon. Uh, I wanted to go back on the story about uh, Brandon Miller just to make sure I got the storyline correct. Okay. Uh, and I, I want to say this first, though, that I'm a staunch believer in due process. So yep, yep, nothing absolutely. I, when nothing, nothing I'm saying can be construed for or against anyone. But I'm just curious about what happened. Now, we know that Miller was called, and this guy asked Miller to bring him his gun, which no crime there because, you know, if somebody wants their property, you have to give them their property. But it, he was told that there's some sort of a conflict, too, so... There is the situation where he is taking, essentially taking a gun to a fight, and apparently the district attorney thinks, well, that's not a uh, a crime either, uh, although it may be just terrible judgment, um, and so that's the hinging point which Nate Oates uses to keep him on the team. Was it, would this be fair to say all that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a discussion about. What did he know as far as intention? What did he know? Like, there's it's up for speculation, I guess. That's been one of the biggest talking points about did Brandon Miller even see that text message because he was on the way to pick up Darius Miles before this. Um, I think you're really getting into the the weeds of how a an attorney would write a statement because, um. I, in my opinion, I think that if Brandon Miller had not seen the text or if he did not know the gun was in the car, it would have been explicitly said in the statement by his attorney. 
And right. he does a great job, the attorney does, of writing the statement in a way that would make you believe that he didn't know the gun was there. He said he did not touch or he did not see it as it was under some clothes in the back. That's not directly saying that he didn't know it was there. And then he right. said that he was already on the way. Um, and I forget the exact wording, but it the way it's written gives an implication, well, oh, like maybe he didn't see the, the text. But in my opinion, if you know you're client had not seen the text message you would have explicitly said it seems like that yeah so but it's just a cloudy situation still so yeah and that's and that's what's unfortunate is when you get down into these legal battles like this it's it's about how you word things and that's the that's the dirty side of the law right that's the it's the um that's why those guys go to school and make a lot of money it's to to defend their person and right and wrong and, and do their job right and that's what that's where we're getting into this situation is who says what and how do you word certain things and so uh yeah it's still a very murky situation no doubt okay well i guess uh that's all i was wanting to know is uh do we have any sort of an idea what happened and apparently we don't <laughs> i i think a lot we're gonna learn a lot once the trial gets going but the trial is gonna be a while out i mean the the uh-huh. nba draft is probably gonna happen before we get into a trial or anything. But the trial will be uh, of the person who did the shooting, but not of Brandon Miller, but he will be yes. associated with the trial. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to learn a lot about the details and uh, the timeline of everything, and we're going to see all the video evidence and everything, because apparently there is, I don't know if the the prosecution has it, but there is a dash cam footage on Brandon Miller's car, so theoretically, we could see what happens with that footage as well, assuming it is um, the prosecution has it or it was going to use it. Okay. Well, thanks for almost clearing things up. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the call, Yellowhammer. It's good to hear uh, from you. We appreciate it. That is Yellowhammer joining us on the phone lines, and we're going to get to another caller, 334-321-1390. And Daniel, you're on line two. We appreciate you holding on. How are How are you? Man, I'm doing all right. How about y'all? Doing all, doing right, all right, man. What you got? Good. I mean, just listening to this, it's. I, I know the question is, is it a shot to the athletic director, to the PR department, to NATO? I think it's more of a um, more of a shot to his team, to his players. From Nick Saban. Um, right. Just because, just because people that you see every day in the athletic department are getting away with something, that's not going to happen across campus on another field. That's fair. That's fair, but but Uh, I I don't think you can ignore the way that it was going to play publicly, and he would have known how using that exact language was going to uh, um, play out nationally and on social media and with all these uh, media people around the country. No, I completely agree. It was the words were purposefully chosen Mm -hmm. um, for a message that he specifically wanted to send. Uh, The the weirdest thing about all of it is that it's coming from Nick Saban. When I remember in 2008, Rolando McClain attempted to run someone over on campus and was never suspended from the football team. So it's, it's kind of an odd, um, an odd thing to hear from someone that has been very lax on his own discipline from time to time. Well, yeah, Um, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier the, we saw the situation with Jermaine Burton where we have video of him striking a female fan at the Tennessee game, 
and nothing happened. And that was, I remember how frustrating that was to watch and how baffling it was for a coach that preaches discipline and all of this stuff to not discipline Jermaine Burton in the moment. Well, it, it goes even further than that. Yes, that's absolutely one one instance of it. But who was the who was the player that was arrested in Louisiana um, with a firearm? He was an offensive lineman for Alabama, I believe. Was arrested in Louisiana with a firearm, with drugs and paraphernalia in the car, enough to enough to actually consider it. Um, intent to distribute. Are you talking Cam Robinson? Cam Robinson and reserve defensive back Lawrence Jones were together on that arrest, I think, that you're referencing. Okay, yeah, I think that's the one. That sounds right. But, I mean, that's that's another instance where it's it's interesting. Like I said, it's just interesting that he's hammering this home when when there is kind of a pattern of no discipline being handed out for – um, for offenses mm-hmm. in, inside the football program, which hopefully um, the optimist in me looks at it and says, "Man, I, I hope that he's just learned that that discipline isn't isn't a bad thing; that it helps shape young men into something better than what they currently are." Exactly, I'm 100 percent with you on that. I mean, look, I don't care, I don't care what level you're at, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how successful you have been. Nobody. Nobody is above discipline, in my opinion, and nobody is above giving discipline when you're in a situation like a head coach is. And unfortunately, Daniel, it seems that in today's world of sports, not just with Alabama, just across the board, it seems like winning and success has taken precedent over everything else, and it's very uh pick and choose at times on whether a player or a person or gets disciplined given the situation, given the status of a, of a current team or program or whatever it may be. It seems like that's where we're heading in and that's not a good place to be. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, I, and I, and I'm hoping, hoping that some of this, that the outcome of some of this can be that, um, priorities begin to begin to come the priority again. Yep. I agree. Um, in, instead of winning in a paycheck. Yep, I agree. I agree. Daniel, hey, we appreciate you holding on and coming on the show. It's good to hear from you. We are up against a break. We appreciate the call. Had great callers so far. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk about this some more. We'll talk some Auburn basketball as the season is over here on the Plains and what the offseason could look like for Bruce Pearl. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, taking a sidestep from the all of the Alabama conversation because we had a uh, we had a good conversation going yesterday that I want to continue talking about with. 
Auburn basketball season coming to an end and then officially being the off season. Uh, I believe it was Terry who brought up the uh, c- question about what Auburn's roster turnover would look like and what this roster could look like next year. And it brings up a couple of questions. That one in particular, uh, where does Auburn go from here? What has to change from this year of 2022-2023 to next season, 2023-2024, for Auburn to take that next step? Because Auburn made the run to the Final Four, right? They made the run to the Final Four. You had a really good team in 2020 when COVID hit, and yet and then you've had two years back-to-back where you've gone and you've gotten bounced in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So the question becomes, what has to change? What needs to be done differently for Auburn to get over that hump again and make another run in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think you look at going out and addressing the biggest issue on this team, which was shooting. Uh, you look at three-point shooting, trying to go get guys who can um, fill it up from deep. And I think I think when you look at <clears throat> the roster this year, three-point shooting I, around – uh, the the perimeter would have done a lot, I think, for Wendell Green. I think you would have gotten more consistency out of him because there would have been less of a reliance on him to figure stuff out on offense. Um, I think it would have made Janai Broom a lot better to be able to dump the ball inside and when the defense collapses on him, as we saw all year long, be able to dish it out to somebody who can shoot or at least hold the defenders out there where then he has more of more one-on-one opportunities um, that felt like they got less and less uh, common as they happened less and less often as we moved forward in the year. I thought there were some teams that really tried to get after him and make life difficult on him, and I think it worked. I think it worked for a lot of teams, and um, I think you got to address that. Um, I'm really curious to see. What guards are left on this team? Mm-hmm. Does Jalen Williams come back for a COVID year? Um, that's something I've got my eye on. I think I think you're you're going to see Auburn's better players: Jalen Williams, Wendell Green, uh, Janai Broom, and Alan Flanagan. They're all going to probably going to test the um, NBA draft waters and see what happens with that. The only one that I would say right now that I'm confident is going to try to push actually push it and go pro it's probably Alan Flanagan I think he's probably done with college at this point in time I mean he's been on campus for 40 years and at times he has all like he will he has all the ability in the world it's all about consistency for him and when he's at his best he's a pro he's a legitimate pro prospect And I think maybe one thing with him that we've seen with a lot of these Auburn players is the mental side of it as well. In the the confidence side of it where how do they feel midseason? How do they feel in their own game? How are they feeling about the performance anxiety or whatever it may be, right? I think that's a massive part of not just these guys, but college athletes in general. And yeah, you look at this Auburn team this year, and and we talked about yesterday about how this season is a success given what we learned about this squad. When we finally realized, and you and Jack really started talking about this, when when we realized as Auburn media and the fans realized it and, and set the expectations just a little bit lower than what we had them to start, 
it seemed to be a little bit easier down the stretch for us to talk about this team, for mm-hmm. people to watch this team, because you took off the the final four expectations. You took those away, and we realized what this team was, and the bar became 10 wins in conference play and a win in the NCAA tournament. You got both of those things. After that, it was just icing on the cake. Now, the loss against Houston hurts, absolutely, because you had a chance to win. You had a 10-point lead at the half. If you shoot the ball just a slight bit better, you're probably in that game and have a chance to win. Yes, all of those things are true, but you did lose to a one seed in the second round of the NCAA tournament in a year where we had to lower expectations and we got what we asked for midseason. You can't be disappointed. But now it's time to realize things have to change. And we had a caller yesterday, and I can't quite remember who it was, so I apologize, but there was a statement made that said Bruce Pearl is not subject to not be criticized, right? He is not bigger yeah. than than criticism. And I think that is very, very fair. And I think to this point, for Auburn basketball, things have to be a little bit different. Bigger guards have to be gotten for this Auburn team. You've got to have some size if you want to compete in today's college basketball because guards are too big and too strong now. They just are. And that's where big-time programs are going. And there's nothing against the smaller guards that Bruce Pearl likes to grab, but they're just not working like they used to with Bruce's system. I think Bruce's system needs to change a little bit as well. He's been running the flex offense his entire career. It's what he learned, it's what he knows, and it's what he's good at. I get that. But I also think that could change a little bit because people know how to play it. And if you don't have a shooter like you just mentioned, Carter, if you don't have a knockdown 35-40% three-point shooter on their team, the flex offense gets stuck and it stalls. And you saw that happen with this Auburn team. So you got to go and find some shooters. You got to go find some bigger guards. And I think you just have to have some of your five stars that you're recruiting pan out. Mm -hmm. I think if you have those things and Bruce Pearl steps back and says, I've got to change a little bit of how I'm doing this. I think the sky is the limit again for this Auburn basketball program. And we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, 334-321-1390. Your thoughts on what does what needs to change for this Auburn basketball team? What needs to change within the program? What would you like to see different next year to where you think this team could be better than they were this year? 334-321-1390 or tweet at ESPN1067. You can give us your thoughts and comments on Twitter as well. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter as well. And I think those are all doable tasks in my opinion for Bruce Pearl and this coaching staff yeah I mean I think that I really do feel that the best days of Auburn basketball are ahead of them I think you're going to see because let's think about it from a 30,000 foot view Bruce comes into Auburn it's a bottom what 10 power five team and power six I guess team in the country uh, including the Big East, but uh, and you look at the slow build that he had to have, and he came in on show cause. There were recruiting restrictions early. He went through all of that. Uh, he got to the other side of that, and then almost immediately, you have the Chuck Person FBI investigation cloud over the program mm-hmm. for years, and the success he had in spite of that 
is remarkable. Well, that's now gone. Once that cleared up, I don't think Auburn had its basketball NIL in maybe the right place for this past for the past year. I think it's in place now, ready to roll. And I think everything is finally in place. Bruce is he's gonna get his basketball only facility at some point. I don't know if that's been decided upon yet. I know he he pumped the brakes on it after it got approved because he wanted to get the NIL stuff figured out. I think that's been done. I think you're about to see a fully unleashed, unrestricted Bruce Pearl in recruiting, coaching, all of that. I mean, you look at LeBaron Filan. Auburn hasn't really won a ton of in-state battles head-to-head with Alabama and NATO's. It hasn't really happened a lot. J.D. Davison was the one that everybody talked about where uh, it's Auburn, Alabama, a five-star guy. Well, he goes to Alabama. Auburn's made its money in recruiting in Georgia, in that Atlanta area and the area surrounding Atlanta, and then, weirdly enough, Arkansas. Um, <laughs> right. But now, I mean, you're starting to see, I think you're going to see a an Auburn program be able to recruit, compete, and land people that it needs to to take that next step, to be that consistently great team. And what feeds into that is something that has been forgotten about is the basketball facility that Bruce Pearl has yeah, I, been asking for and asking for and asking for. That will play into this as well because it's happening. Don't really know when, but it is happening. And that will play into that as well. Of course, Bruce has a lifetime contract at Auburn. He's not going anywhere, which helps Auburn in recruiting long term. Uh, but the basketball facility plays into that. And I think you're right. I think Bruce has an opportunity to, on this year's squad, clear up quite a bit of scholarships and bring in guys down the road to help this team compete at the biggest level because yes they made a run to the final four that was a magical team and that team got hot that team got really good and that team got lucky in their first round game they did they got lucky in that game and then they made it a historic run but since Mm -hmm. then you haven't done a ton now getting to the tournament winning games is a huge deal we've talked about just how tough that is but when again the same conversation and the same note that you have to bring up every time this conversation is had just because just because you've had this success right and Bruce Pearl has been legendary here the statue will be built all of that stuff but when you raise the expectations for your program and you don't hit those expectations disappointment sets in nobody knows that more than Bruce Pearl folks I promise I promise Bruce Pearl understands that and this year, you're going to see that roster turnover that we've been talking about. I think you're going to, you've already got Zeb Jasper, who is gone because of being a senior. I think you have uh, Babatunde, he's gone uh, because of being a, um, I think he's gone. I think theoretically he can't come back on a COVID he year. I'm can. not sure that's going to happen. I don't think so either. So you have Zeb Jasper, you have Akimbola. I don't think Alan Flanagan's on this team next year. I agree with you. I don't think Wendell Green is on this team next year. I'm not sure. I think think there's going to be – there's a lot of, I guess, things that have to be worked through about do guys want to look for other opportunities elsewhere? Do they want to 
push the envelope to potentially try to go pro. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see uh, Wendell Green consider going pro because th- think back to Jared Harper. Jared Harper was not a draft guy when he was at Auburn, but he tested the waters his sophomore year. Uh, he tested the waters his junior year, and I think there became a discussion about, okay, given my limited size, how much better is my stock going to get? Wendell Green is an all-SEC guard right now, and there is a five-star freshman coming in the door at that point guard position. Trey Donaldson is still here right now, and he's going to get better. There may be a discussion at some point about, is this about my maxed out potential um, as my stock would go to go pro, and is this my best opportunity? I think that you're going to see some conversations like that with guys on this Auburn team. Which is totally understandable. And I think with Wendell Green... Look, let's just let's just say it like it is. Is Wendell Green an NBA level point guard? No, he's not. No, he's not. Is he ever going to be? Probably not. I, don't I think hope so. he gets there, but I just don't think he will because of the ma- the major reason is because of his size. Look at what Jared Harper's doing in the G League and every game that he plays. He is balling out. He is a great yeah. point guard. He's a so great basketball Cooper. player. So is Sharif Cooper. Both of those guys are much better than Wendell Green is right now and they are still not getting the call to the NBA because they don't have the size it's not because they don't have the skill they don't have the size and if Wendell Green even if he gets better if he goes and plays a somewhat pro league basketball whether it's overseas G League whatever even if he gets better which I think there is room for him to do I just don't see him getting to the NBA. And so, yeah, he has to have that conversation. And I think some guys have to have that conversation as well. But you look at this Auburn roster, turnover is going to happen. That is a guarantee. You're going to lose some guys to graduation. You're going to lose some guys from transfer. You're going to lose some guys who go and test the waters in the NBA. And that will open up some opportunities for some new faces and new opportunities for this squad for Auburn to be a different team in 2023 and 2024. So it should be exciting for Auburn fans. I know the season ended in a disappointment with the loss to Houston, given the fact you had a chance to win that game. But the season overall was a success when you had to have reality set in, lower the expectations, and be a realist about what this team is. But nobody understands that they need to be better than Bruce Pearl. And I promise you that right now, Bruce Pearl understands this has to be better than what we saw this year. We got to get to our final break in hour number one. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, the World Baseball Classic. Also, some numbers coming in from Pro Day for Auburn. Some very impressive stat lines from some guys at the Pro Day for Auburn. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines to wrap up our number one, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Guys, for a minute, put all my criticism and comments away uh, to the side. Wendell Green won't make it in the NBA because he's too small and he's not a true ball distributor. 
He's a scorer. He's a two guard trapped in a one 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 guard's body. That's fair. And if you're not a true not a true distributor of the ball at that level, and you're not a good scorer, you ain't got to score twenty points in the NBA level. But you got to score twelve. You yeah. can't have two yeah. assists in the game. You got to have ten. Yeah, no, uh, you're a hundred percent. And and you know when it comes to Wendell Green, take the size factor out of it. You're right. You talk about how he doesn't get the assist numbers that he should. His shooting numbers are not where they need to be. And his ball handling is good, but we've seen what happens when you throw a double team at him when he crosses half court. More times than not, he's unable to get out of it. And so those are areas that he can improve, but at the same time, I've said this a lot, at this point in somebody's career, how much better are they going to get when it's those types of things? It's a legitimate question, but yeah, you're right with the assist numbers. Uh, it, it It's not a good sign if he's trying to make it pro. And guys, I'm more curious to see how he reacts when they upgrade the guard position. He might be coming off the bench or something. Because I've always been uh, one that said he's kind of a me guy and kind of a selfish player. And with, with the upgrade of the guard position, just with Chance Westry being back, hopefully healthy, maybe mm-hmm. Bruce Pearl bringing some upgrades. How's he going to take sitting on the bench? He may, I think that's going to be attitude He might transfer or, I mean, you know, I think that's a, a legitimate question we had for Katie Johnson as well, who got mm-hmm. put to the bench and has responded extremely well. Well, yeah, especially late. When Katie Johnson fixed his three-point shot, when he started putting air on it, he became a legitimate three-point shooter uh, as much as I didn't, don't necessarily love some of the contested looks. He still found a way to hit them. And I think it unlocked the rest of his game. Now, when we talk about Wendell, that's kind of what we were saying before the break, Terry, that if you've Wendell looks at it and if there's a discussion about, okay, how much higher is my stock going to get with a freshman five-star point guard coming in, with Trey Donaldson right now on campus, all signs point to him being back. I have not heard that he is going to leave um, in the transfer portal or anything. Given that those two guys will will be there, so you're bringing in a five star talent. Trey will get better. I think Trey's going to be a really really good college player. I do wonder if he kind of examines it and is like, either I need to look elsewhere for an opportunity or my pro stock. I'm not saying he's going to be an NBA guy. My pro stock may not be may not get any higher than what it is right now. I, th- I think you're exactly right. Who knows? Who knows? I do know this. How many times this year did you see Wendell Green take the last shot? More times than anybody else. Okay, well, how many times do you think he was going to pass the ball? Not very much. Exactly. And that, that's what a point guard's got to learn to do at the next level. I will say, there was there was a time or two where he tried to get it to Jalen, and Jalen just does not have for – and this is my he doesn't biggest want the ball. flaw with Jalen – Jalen's the most talented player on Auburn's roster, without a doubt. He is. He was the best three-point shooter all year long. And for whatever reason, he does not have that belief in himself. He does not have that killer instinct, that give me the ball and get out of my way mentality that we know Jabari Smith had last year. Because every right. time, every time, I mean, there were some moments where Wendell shot it for sure. But there were several games in that 2021-2022 season where late in the game, Auburn's kind of out of it. And Jabari said, give me the ball, get out of my way, and he would carry that team back into games and hit some ridiculous shots because that's his mindset. That's who he is. 
Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the call, Terry. Good to hear from you as we get out of hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk the Alabama situation some more. Play the comments again from Nick Saban. Break them all down. Plus, talk results from Auburn Football's Pro Day. on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well here on this Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line for hour number two. Hour number one's in the books, and hour number two is underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNA you.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast we talked the comments from Nick Saban about Tony Mitchell and uh, whether they were uh, directed towards Nate Oates and don't worry we're going to get into that conversation some more coming up in just a few minutes and then uh, we talked Auburn basketball as the season is officially over we talked just sort of what needs to happen for this team to be different in this next year. What can they do in the offseason? What can Bruce Pearl do in the offseason uh, to be better and to make this team better and take them to that next step? So lots of great phone calls in the first hour as well. So if you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com. But here in hour number two, like I mentioned, we're going to talk the Nick Saban comments, break it all down some more and and just answer the question, what's happening in Tuscaloosa right now? We'll talk about it coming up in just a few minutes. And then we'll talk Auburn football's pro day where uh, results are starting to come out about uh, the guys that are participating, the numbers that are coming out. Cam Newton is there throwing today at the mm-hmm. pro day. Uh, that will be uh, the focal point of our question of the day, which we'll get to in a little bit as well. So phone lines are open here in hour number two. Give us a call. 334-321-1390. That number again, 3 3- 3-4-3-2-1-13-90. You can also tweet at us at ESPN1067. Again, that's at ESPN1067 on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Be sure you go and follow ESPN1067. But Carter, let's get into this a little bit because uh, it was a hot topic in the first hour. It's a hot topic in sports right now. Talking about Nick Saban's comments that Tony Mitchell has been suspended from the Alabama team after being arrested in the state of Florida. He was eluding police and they caught him and he apparently got up to 141 miles per hour before he was stopped. They recovered more than $7,000 in cash and 226 grams of marijuana in the car 
that uh, he was driving. And Nick Saban had some interesting comments today. And if we still have those pulled up, uh, we can play that for you. It's about a 40-second clip of what Nick Saban had to say about this situation. And he used some really interesting verbiage. So if you haven't heard it yet, we're going to play it for you here now. And uh, this is what Nick Saban had to say. We'll break it down uh, once we play it for you. But uh, just tune in and listen to what Nick Saban said today. Uh, Tony Mitchell has been suspended from the team uh, and all team activities until we gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. And, um, you know, I mean, guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. You got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around and what you do, who you associate yourself with. And. Uh, the situations that you put yourself in. So um, it is what it is, but uh, there is, you know, cause and effect when you make, you know, choices and decisions that uh, put you in bad situations. So, um, uh, So that's what Nick Saban said earlier about Tony Mitchell being suspended from the team. And uh, Carter, there is no such thing as wrong place, and wrong time and we got into the conversation as has everybody really around uh, the media world today was this directed towards Nate Oates the basketball program in the University of Alabama or was this just a coincidence that he used the exact same statement that Nate Oates did all right so I'm I'm going to piggyback on what Daniel said when he called in earlier in the show in the first hour when he said he thinks it was a um statement a message to his team I think that's a really good point I th- I like that I think that that's probably what this is this is a message to his team of hey I know that you've heard about all this stuff going on but that ain't flying in our program and in doing that I think Nick Saban knew very well how these comments were going to um, play. And I still think that there is an aspect of this is him sending him. I, I think that this is him sending a couple messages. I think this is him sending a message to the rest of the athletic department at Alabama, to Greg Byrne, to NATO. It's in that basketball program. Hey, everybody needs to rein it in because it's never great when your athletic department is the most talked about thing in sports for two months. In a negative light, I mean, it's it's not good for anybody remotely re- pertaining to the University of Alabama, and it's bad PR, it's bad look. Everybody looks at this university, this athletic department in a negative light as a result of what all has taken place in the past couple months. I've seen some arguments be made that Saban didn't know that Nadotes used those words and had to go back and retract no his statement chance. and stuff. There no is no chance. possible way that that is the, the scenario. There Nate is Oates, no way. Nadotes and wrong place, wrong time have been almost like synonymously used, or they've been so linked that every time Nadotes has been brought up here over the last two months, month and a half, however long we've been do- doing the discussion and discourse around Brandon Miller since those details came out ever since those words left his mouth it has been a discussion it has been linked to Nate Oates it's been linked to that basketball program it has been linked to 
that athletic department, and it has been talked about nonstop, nonstop. There is no chance on this earth in my mind that Nick Saban did not know Nate Oates used those words. Exactly. And so when I heard these comments today from Nick Saban, if this was anybody else, and I mean anybody else, my initial thought would be, you know, that's just really poor choice of words, a coincidence, and it's just... If this was Jimbo Fisher, I'd be like, yes, okay, he's coincidence. If if this is literally anybody (laughs) else other than Nick Saban, who we know is Nick Saban, I'm going to get to that point in just a second, if this is anybody else that made this statement today that there is no such place, no such thing as wrong place, wrong time, Tony Mitchell has been suspended, and you have to be responsible for your actions, and there are consequences to these things, great, that's fine, and I don't think this would have been hammered as much as it already has been. But the fact that it is Nick Saban, the fact that we know who Nick Saban is, who claims to have very high discipline in his program and holds his players and his program to a higher standard than everybody else, and a guy in Nick Saban that we know plans out everything that he does, says, eats. I mean, this guy has a plan for everything. There's a reason, folks, that he is the best coach to ever coach the game. There's a reason he is where he is today. There is a reason he has been so successful because what he does and what he says, he thinks before he does everything. And so for him to step up there today and to pause and say, there is no such thing as wrong place, wrong time, he was sending a message to somebody. And I think that is the argument itself, not if if he was. He definitely was. Mm-hmm. But who is the message being sent to? And I think you brought up a good point going with what Daniel said back in the first hour about is this a message to Nick Saban's football team as spring practice starts? Maybe. Is this a message to the University of Alabama, Greg Byrne, in the athletic department? Maybe. Is this a message to Nate Oates in the basketball program, man-to-man, and saying, that's not how I run my program, that's not how you should run your program? Maybe. There are tons of ways you could speculate this. Saban was sending a message to somebody today, and it may not just be one party, it may have been all of that combined. Yeah, I I 100% agree that I, I, like... I just think that it's absolutely pos- possible that there are multiple messages being sent. This is meant to be heard by, uh, I mean, obviously everybody's going to hear it, but it's meant to be especially heard by different groups of people and it to mean different things to them. And I think you've seen that play out. I think that um, I I do agree with Daniel's point that this to me, because I hadn't thought about it initially, this is a clear message to his his program that hey, rein it in, lock it in. We're not doing anything, anything goofy, anything, anything illegal, anything that could get put this program in a bad light. I know you've heard all the noise, you've seen all the stuff going on, um, but that's not how this is going to operate with us. And I do think that it, 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 with the word choice, it has to be some sort of a message to play out in that athletic department. It's, it's just, to me, it's kind of like when you have a 
pro player on a like you see it a lot in the NBA. You see it with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's comments for the Celtics about uh, like staying loyal to places that take care of him and all this. That's messaging that he's saying publicly, but it's meant for the Celtics to hear of like, okay, we know what we have to do to lock him down. I'd like this is something that happens in, in the media. It happens in sports all the time. Here's something I just thought about. What if this is Nick Saban with those comments today? What if this was Nick Saban who has obviously taken Alabama to one of, if not the best program in college football? What if this was a way for him to send a message to everybody outside of Tuscaloosa, everybody in the world of college football and the world of college athletics, for him to separate him and his program from everything that's happening at Alabama? What if this was a way for Saban to say, Yes, we all wear the same name and wear the same colors and represent the same university, but what if this is a way for Saban to say, we do all of that, but we're not associated with how they're handling things on the basketball side. This is how we're going to do it on the football side, and Tony Mitchell is suspended from this program and this team as of right now. I think that's a a very viable option as well of Nick Saban saying, my program is at the highest level. I do it my way. This is him. And I'm separating myself from that situation and from that and how they run things on that side of it. I think, I mean, it could also be a little bit of kind of piggybacking off what you're saying, reestablishing that or reiterating that hierarchy Mm -hmm. in that athletic department, in that state, just being like, hey, I'm top top dog here in this athletic department in this state. I mean, I've said it before, and I'll stand by it. The most powerful man in the state of Alabama is Nick Saban. Yeah. If Nick Saban wants something to happen, it's going to happen. That's because he built this dynasty, the greatest. He's the greatest college football coach of all time, and he is the the author of the greatest dynasty in college football and maybe college athletics. I mean, you can put it up there. You could. Absolutely. And I think that's an interesting point, and it's something that just came across my mind, and that sort of seems like what this could be of, I'm Nick Saban, I'm going to make these comments that are going to get people talking about my program, but in a positive way, because I suspended this guy who went, broke the law, got arrested, we're not going to put up with it, and look, you have to think about all of this too. A young man has just been arrested with $7,000 in cash, marijuana in the car, and running away from cops at 141 miles an hour, right? Thankfully, he is safe, and as far as we know, everybody in the situation is safe. But on the other side of it, the Brandon Miller thing, you've got Alabama basketball players involved, two young men are charged with a crime, and a young woman is still dead. So all of that is playing into this political storm that seems to be happening in Tuscaloosa right now, where the more I sit here and think about it, this very well could be a political act for Nick Saban to say, this is Alabama football we're not associated with Alabama basketball. We do it this way, the right way. Yeah, and I think um, I think bringing it back to the 141 miles an hour driving, that is especially right now, that's a bad look considering in a couple years now, we've seen so many instances of horrible things, of people driving over 100 miles an hour. Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. The Jalen Carter situation with the with the crash 
that killed a Georgia football player and a Georgia recruiting staff member. Like, not a lot of good things happen when you start hitting triple digits in a car. And Tony Mitchell and his buddy should be thankful that they're alive considering that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And again, as far as we know, I don't think there was any crash or any anybody injured or anything as far as I know. And yeah, they absolutely should be thankful for that. And I don't know what's going to happen in this situation, but just interesting comments from Nick Saban today about Tony Mitchell being suspended, the language that he used during all of this, and what message was he sending and who was he sending it to? And I think there are so many ways to decipher this. We got to get to our first break in hour number one. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app let's get to the phone lines 334-321-1390 Ed you're back on the line welcome in hey guys uh yeah uh I agree with all you know the things you've been saying about it it's it's really bad you know and uh, about, you know, Mitchell. But uh, one thing I didn't talk about earlier, uh, and, uh, you know, you know I'm a big, big, big Bruce Pearl fan, mm-hmm. but you have to look at how many games that they lost, you know, at the end. And against Houston, Houston knew down the stretch. All they had to do was foul us because we could not shoot free throws. You know, yeah. I mean, like 20 missed free throws. Or, I mean, and I wouldn't let a, a player on the court to practice until he made 50 and wouldn't let him leave till he made 50 more. So, I mean, that is just inexcusable. I mean, really it is. Yeah. And, but and the other thing, has anybody talked about why he took Trey Donaldson was the only kid, and, and Leo Berman was playing great, and Leo Berman not only was he playing, you know, not I don't say great, he was playing fairly well, but when he was in, you got the whole crowd into it, and that seemed like you know, why did Bruce not play? them you know down the stretch I have no idea yeah it's a question that I've had to to ponder a few times this year you know me Ed you you listen uh very very regular yeah. you know that I love I love Trey Donaldson and I think his potential is yeah. is very very high and look he, to to be fair he did not play great most of the year but the last two games he did he played really really well and I think he should have gotten more playing time than he did. And those are questions of why did Bruce Pearl do these things or why did Bruce Pearl not do certain things that I would love to get the chance to ask him. And um, I, I, I understand there at the end, you put in your experienced guys, you put in your veteran guys down the stretch. Now, you can make the argument that they haven't done it throughout the year to earn that, but 
that is what it is. So uh, I'm right there with you. I, I, you know me. I love Trey Donaldson. Well, I mean, it hit, hit you know, uh, two, two or three, you know, nice shots, and it was really our the only guy who really was seemed to you know be comfortable, you know, shooting from that. Uh, I could not understand why he didn't get more playing time. But anyway, guys, thank you. Yeah, appreciate the call, Ed. It's good to hear from you again. Hopping on on he on the uh, Tuesday edition of On the Line. Something that is worth discussing because Ed brought up free throw shooting. Free throw shooting has not been a strength of Bruce Pearl's Auburn teams at all. If you look at the numbers, Bruce has had one really good free throw shooting team, and that was that 2018-19 club that shot 77.4% from the line. Last year's team was 73.1%, and you've got a couple other years above 70%, but even those, 73.1% was 126th in the country. That 18 team, they were 16th. Every other year besides that, below 70%. You've got four of his years. He's been above 70. That one year was great, and then you've got a bunch of teams in the mid-200s, uh, his second team was 63.2% at the line, which Gosh, is 341st in the country. Horrible. Uh, but yeah, so like Bruce Pearl's teams have not shot the free throw well. I do wonder if that starts to become something that is more valuable moving forward. I mean, you have to question how much are you practicing it, literally. I mean, it's a—borderline It's a dumb question to ask, but— at the same time, when you pull up stats like that, you're like, you know, Bruce Pearl's teams really aren't that great at shooting free throws. How much do they actually practice shooting free throws? Because the pros practice shooting free throws, but are Bruce Pearl's teams practicing? I think it's a legitimate question. He had, I'm, I'm just looking at the numbers now, I'm looking at uh, Kim Palm. He had three straight pretty good three-point shooting teams from 17, 18, and 19. Uh, 17 and 19 both ranking inside the top 100 uh that 19 team 38.1 percent from deep 21st in the country since then the ranks have been 301st 225th 269th and 309th golly there's been a significant drop off in three-point shooting over the last four seasons Mm. well look we talked about coming in to this season what was the weakness of this team we knew it we knew it in October Carter this team couldn't shoot Mm -hmm. this weakness of this Auburn basketball team was they could not shoot and how fitting is it that down the stretch in the final game of the year where your season's on the line in the NCAA tournament you can't shoot the basketball this time from the free throw line and from the field in that second half how just fitting is it that from the start of the year, we knew the weakness was shooting, and at the end of the year, the game that you lose, a chance to win, it came down to shooting, and you just couldn't get it done. Yeah, 100%. And and Auburn, this team just was not a very good shooting team. Nope. And and we've seen that play out over the course of the year, and I think that's – you saw the shooting in the second half against Houston going 4 of 24 from the field – it's not going to get it done against just about anybody in the country. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Um, we surely got some other things to talk about than, than criticizing Bruce Pearl, who brought Auburn basketball to Auburn. Uh, you, you guys really don't think that he's, he's coaching shooting free throws? 
that was that was Jacob's statement. I'll let him stand on that one. I mean, yeah. look, on, look when you okay <laughs> when you look at it, Carter just pulled the numbers up. Bruce Pearl's teams historically are bad free throw shooting teams, and you look at no, he just ran off. He just ran off three years where they were pretty good at free throws. But overall, well, yeah, it's but not that's, great. That's over his his eight years. He has one really good free throw shooting team. He has two he had two or three average ones, and then. One, two, three, four, five, six years where they were bad at, at the line. We knew that this year was going to uh, – we couldn't shoot this year it, uh, for whatever reason. I just don't think that, that we should be at the point where we're criticizing Bruce Pearl for not coaching how to shoot the ball when, yeah. you know, it's not It's not even – you can't put it on him. I mean, like, you don't think that they're coaching? This is – you know, last year this was the greatest coach of all time at Auburn, but now he can't. He's not. He's not coaching how to shoot a free throw. I just don't see. I don't think. I don't think we should be at this point. And and uh, you know what, what we're talking about. I, I, I don't know. It's 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 a little upsetting to me, to be honest. Yeah, we had a really bad year. Not not. We went to the second round. I mean, ten years ago, we'd be laughing if we were said. You know. Yeah, right. We're going to make it to the second round in yeah. the NCAA tournament. So, and Shane, we we have we have given Bruce Pearl the utmost credit for this year's coaching, for the job. coaching job. This team was not a tournament team; they weren't, and he took them to the tournament. Absolutely, you're exactly right. And I think when based, we based on talent, Jack and I have looked at it. This is his least talented team since I think the six fifteen sixteen year. Based on just raw talent, when you look at recruiting rankings, star rankings coming out of high school and all that, this is this is one of the least talent most. This is one of the least talented Bruce Pearl teams we've seen, and I think the coaching job he did to have them have the success that they did have was remarkable. I do think that there is Bruce Pearl's not above criticism as far as roster construction and the the lack of addressing the flaws of this team coming into this year. That's what I've always said. Yeah, I mean, like there's some flaws, and and I, I, I'm almost positive that he's going to address those flaws mm-hmm. in, in the off season. Um, and if he doesn't, if this, this this is a regular occurrence, then then let's let's you know we can we can bring this up again. But I don't think that right now is the you know we I don't think anybody should be worried about anything. This is a a bad year, and um, that we went to the second round of the tournament. That's a bad year. That, that's 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 pretty good to have yeah. a bad year where we 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 went that far with a crap team. You know, that's not shooting the ball. You're a basketball player. You're not shooting the ball. So yeah. we, he he did this with that. So I, I just I feel you know I don't know who's who's staying and who's not staying. So if everybody stays, except for Jasper, uh, everybody else is eligible, I believe. Then yeah. we'd have a lot more cohesion. Uh, I'm sure an off more another off season of of, of practice plus mm-hmm. a new I think just one new dude coming in. You know, you never know. Or if if. People leave. We go and get some more talent that that can actually shoot yeah. the ball. We yep. need we need an assassin from three point line. Uh, no That's doubt about it. No doubt about it. Shane, we appreciate the call, man. Good to hear from you. Had to catch you off for the break, but we'll talk some Auburn football pro day on the other side. We got thirty more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
Halfway through hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, want to uh, be sure we get in some conversation about Auburn football's pro day that has been happening over at the uh, football complex where you've had a number of Auburn Tigers uh, football players participating in the pro day. And how about a former Auburn football player performing in the pro day? Cam Newton, the Auburn quarterback legend, national trophy winner or national champion Heisman trophy winner I should say uh, is over there participating as well because he's trying to work himself back onto an NFL roster so did you see that Auburn like created uh, I guess an impromptu logo for pro day looks awesome did you see how they changed cams cams has the Heisman Trophy on top. Nice. It's awesome. Nice. That's it's awesome. really cool. Well, how cool is it that Cam came back to to participate? And they A, how cool is it that he came back to do it? B, how cool is it to, that Auburn was like, yeah, come on, we'd love for you to be a part of this. You would expect them to do that. But just the whole situation. I mean, it's really, really cool to see Cam Newton back on campus at Auburn throwing on the campus of Auburn University. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool scene to see for Auburn football. 100%. And, and he had the statement today. We got to change a, a word or two from his statement, but he made a video, I believe it was yesterday, about, that's awesome. Carter just showed me the photo. That's really, really cool. If you want to see what the logo is for Pro Day, go to, go to Auburn football's Twitter account, and it's their profile picture. About If you go to the media tab and you scroll down a little bit, you can see the the pro day shirt they gave Cam, and it's awesome. Because I, I saw the the generic pro on day back, one, but I haven't National seen Championship 2010. That's so cool. Logo as that's well. so cool. I haven't seen the Cam Newton one, but I've seen the basic one of the pro day because, like you said, it's Auburn football's um, a Twitter profile picture. But uh, but as I was saying, I think it was yesterday that Cam he announced that he was going to be throwing at Auburn's pro day today. And he made a statement and a quote in his video talking about guys in the NFL because obviously Cam Newton played in the (laughs) NFL for quite a long time and has not been playing for a couple of years. And to paraphrase what uh, Mr. Cam Newton said, he said, there's no way that there are 32 guys better than me is what he said, right? He used some more colorful language that we can't use on radio. But he said that there's no way that there are 32 guys, meaning there are no there's no chance that there are 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL that are better than him right now. And we haven't gotten to our question of the day, but I think it fills into all of this. Is Cam Newton worthy enough to be on an NFL roster right now? I Is he think, good enough? Okay, I think he's definitely good enough. I do think that you start to bridge into a conversation about bringing in somebody like Cam Newton, the personality that is Cam Newton, the... I guess, alpha male kind of, I don't want to say ego, that's not the word I'm looking for, but like a guy who everybody looks to is like, oh, like Cam's that guy that we looked up to for years because plenty of people in the NFL are like that. I think he's good enough, but I I think it becomes a discussion about is this, potentially do you want a situation where your backup quarterback has more of a celebrity status and people talk about more than your starter. I mean, which we saw when he was at New England. Yeah, we saw that when he was a backup for the Patriots. Yeah, and that's why they ended up getting rid of him for for Mac Jones, and then that's gone swimmingly. Yeah, that since, worked out well since they got rid of Cam. Uh, as much as, I mean, if you look at it right now, 
the projected starters in 2023 for the NFL teams. AFC East, we can have a conversation about Mac Jones if you want. You know what team could pick up Cam Newton and I would be thrilled? The Packers. The Packers. Absolutely. They're going to go with Jordan Love, though. They I know they are. <laughs> I know they are. I know they're going Jordan Love. They're so confident in him in the future, and he could be good. But to bring in an experienced guy like Cam Newton, a guy that has been in the NFL, yes. who has played in a Super Bowl, who knows how to win games. Now, he has not won many in his last couple of seasons when he was there, but I still think he's good enough to play, but I think age comes into the question. He's 33 years old. He's almost 34 in May. I also think that injury is a problem as well. He's been hurt multiple times in his career, so those play into this as well. So, I mean, just looking, if we're going to talk about a place where he can go be a backup, where I think he'd be a huge help for a team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Because Gardner Minshew's no longer the backup in Philly because I did not I missed this. I missed my own team signing Gardner Minshew and right now You never saw that? Gardner Minshew's supposed to be the the he's the projected starting quarterback for the Colts as of today. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't love it. But but AFC North, you got all the assuming those quarterbacks stay the same. I mean, he's not gonna you're not gonna have him come in and play over Kenny Pickett, who's going into year two. NFC East. Sam Howell. So I think he'd be a backup to Jalen Hurts. I think he'd be a great resource for Jalen Hurts, considering they both have that running style. Uh, Jalen, It's a veteran guy who I think could help Jalen Hurts a lot, who's already doing very, very well. Sam Howell, are you comfortable starting Sam Howell over Cam Newton? Mm, I mean, no. no. And then your discussion about Jordan Love, but we know the Packers are going are gonna to go with, with him. Jimmy G with the Raiders or Cam Newton? Jimmy G. I think that's probably fair. Then we get into the AFC South where the current version of Ryan Tannehill and Gardner Minshew or Cam Newton. I think I'd probably take Cam over both I, of those I guys. think I would put Cam in one of those spots, if not both. I've never understood the down this down the last three or four years the obsession with Ryan Tannehill. Like he's not good anymore. All right. Assuming the Panthers draft C.J. Stroud, which, I mean, you don't have to play him immediately. NFC South, you've got Desmond Ritter, Andy Dalton, projected to be C.J. Stroud eventually, uh, Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield as your four quarterbacks in that division. Well, Cam's not going to the Bucks because they just got Baker Mayfield. Baker's probably going to be the guy there, I guess. I don't love that, though. I don't love it either, but you don't go out and... They paid him a decent amount. I don't remember the exact numbers, but look, here's the, here's what this I, all comes I, I down to. I think there are guys he is, he is better than yes. in the NFL right now. Yes, I and agree. I look at that AFC South where I can look at two right now that I would probably prefer Cam Newton to be the quarterback over. Which he believes as well, which is why he's throwing at Auburn football's pro day today, and you had guys participating in the pro day and again we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 or you can tweet at us at ESPN 1067 your uh, comments questions concerns all that good stuff we'd love to hear from you on Twitter as well but what are some of the results that they've been coming in over the last hour or so uh, from media members over at the complex what are some things that have stood out to you I know one player has really stood out to everybody that has been there with his performance today at the Auburn Football Complex. It's been Shed Jackson. 
he has had a unbelievable day so far, Carter, right? I mean, just he has really tested off the charts, has Shed Jackson. He has really shown me to try to work himself into getting drafted. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that um, you've been, he's been impressive. 38.5-inch vertical, 11-foot, 2-inch broad jump. Those are great numbers for him to post. A 4-3-2 unofficial 40. That's really good. The bench press, not great at 13, uh, but I think you can probably overlook that with the way he's testing and other aspects of this. You know how good of a blocker he is out on the edge. Um, looking at some other guys that I think have stuck out to me, I think when you look at um, you look at Brandon Council, I think Brandon Council is doing pretty well here to start out uh, with the way that he's – I mean – he had one of the better verticals of all of the uh, guys out there, and he's over 300 pounds. I mean, he's only uh, an inch and a half behind Kalen Newton in the vertical. Um, he put up 29 reps on bench press. I think he's dropped a good amount of weight from the regular season uh, when he was playing to now. I think it's a great uh, opportunity for him to make a name for himself enough to be signed on as an undrafted free agent. That's why. That's how I put it for Brandon Council. Yeah, I think that's fair. How about this? John Samuel Shanker, uh, according to Ferg, just pumped out. This was a couple hours ago. Just pumped out twenty eight on the bench press at Auburn's pro day. The most any tight end did at the combine was twenty three. So Shanker put up twenty eight. Shanker's a strong guy. Yeah, he's got I'm, it, man. I want to see what his forty number comes out as because if he runs well, then we can have a conversation about him being drafted, but I am a little bit worried about what the the raw speed numbers and, and, and agility numbers might be for him. I would love for him to run well and it to be something that is an impressive number um, for him to help him get drafted. Yeah, and I was watching a video of Cam throwing right now. He's throwing to, uh, throwing to Kalen on some just scramble drills basically of cam just rolling out and just bombing it down the field to to um uh to caitlin and and i mean it looks pretty good i mean looks pretty solid i know the the arm looks strong it does it looks strong but again when you talk about cam in particular it comes down to age it comes down to injuries um he is injury prone as you get older and he's had injuries before and so uh it's just really i just think it's really really cool to see Cam Newton back on campus and throwing in the in the football complex, the new football complex, which is just so nice. Um, but really cool to see Cam throwing over there. But some really impressive performances at Pro Days. Now, there are some big-time NFL guys that think Pro Days are kind of a waste of time. Uh, Dan Orlovsky said that today on the Pat McAfee Show. He said he's not a huge fan of Pro Days, that they're not really worth all that much, but... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's a. I don't think it hurts anything to have a pro day and participate in your pro day. Just a, an extra, an extra opportunity for guys to show their skills in some of these different drills. I mean, if Tank Bigsby's forty number is correct, the unofficial at four four six, then like the pro day has value because you ran at four five six at the combine. If he's a tenth of a second faster, we're we're talking a round or two or more difference because then you're having a conversation about maybe he does have that home run speed that you might need as a running back I think there's value to showcase athleticism 
and we know how Auburn's guys tested at the combine. I'm curious to see. I mean, I, I we haven't seen a lot of Owen Papo. We haven't seen a lot of Colby Wood. We haven't seen a lot of Derek Hall at the pro day. They're there. Uh, Ekuliota's there as well. So is Tank Bigsby, and so is uh, Anders Carlson. I don't think you're going to see the first three on that list do a lot of testing because they tested really well at the combine. Um, it's just another opportunity to, if you've got something that you aren't happy with that you did at the combine, or if you're one of these guys that didn't get the invite, it's a chance to show off your athleticism. I mean, I think back to years ago, Brandon King barely played for Auburn as a safety kind of, he played all sorts of weird positions. He was a safety outside linebacker, edge rusher. And he barely played, barely got on the field. He tested really well at his pro day. Mm-hmm. And he's been a special teams guy for, for the Patriots for years now. Yeah, And he's been a really good player. Um, and I think that there there's value in it because you can find guys like that that you might have uh, skipped over if you're a scout uh, because they didn't jump out on film or they didn't get all the reps or whatever. I think there is value. I understand where some of those people are coming from. For because for the main guys, it doesn't matter. I mean, Jalen Carter's still going to be a first round draft pick despite <laughs> looking right. as awful as he did at his pro day. I mean, for the top guys, I don't think it matters as much, but I do think there is definitely value there. No, I, I, I'm a hundred percent with you, and I don't think it it hurts anything to do pro days and participate in pro days and. And like you said, sometimes you'll find you'll find a diamond in the rough and you'll find a guy that maybe didn't play a whole lot, but test really, really well and will get an opportunity uh, to go and play in the pros and have a chance to get drafted or, or be a, uh, an undrafted free agent or whatever, right? And it also gives guys like Cam Newton an opportunity to go back to their school and try to work their way back into the NFL landscape. We'll see. If that happens so far, looks pretty good. Uh, we'll see if more videos and some stats and stuff come out from everybody participating at Auburn Football's Pro Day happening over at the football complex. And again, uh, what a what an opportunity for some of these guys to uh, to showcase their skills if they didn't test at the combine or didn't test well at the combine. So the Auburn Football Pro Day happening right now. We'll get to our final break here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in and uh, wrap up the show with us we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll wrap up the tuesday edition of on the line when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you for the next few minutes here on ESPN 106.7. Stay tuned. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will be coming up from 4 to 6 right after us. They'll be talking uh, the Combine and uh or not the combine the uh, pro day excuse me they'll be talking the auburn football pro day uh that's happened over at the football complex i'm sure they'll have some thoughts on this nick saban and alabama situation where that's where i want to end this conversation today is just a just a weird situation that saban brought up and brought more light to not that the situation needed any more light and not that tuscaloosa needed any more magnified persona on them right or a view of them uh but Nick Saban again saying that Tony Mitchell has been suspended and there is no such place as wrong place 
and wrong time. Again, the thought that I had at the beginning of this hour talking about this situation, the more that I start to think that this may have been Saban separating him and his program from the debacle that's happened with Brandon Miller, Nate Oates, Alabama basketball, Greg Byrne, the university, everything. That's what this seems like it is to me, is Nick Saban saying, myself and Alabama football, we're going to do things the way we've always done it. We're going to do things the way we want to. And when it comes to this type of stuff, we're not really associated with all of that. Yeah, I, I like, we've, like we've said, I think that there's it can be maybe speculated that there's a couple different messages. There's the separating from the basketball program and how that PR disaster and everything about that has been handled over the last um, year, or not not year, two months, rather. Um, although I do look at the fact that I, I, I think that this is a message to his own roster. I think it's a message to his own roster. Within some reason, I still look back to the Jermaine Burton situation. I kind of wonder, like, what's up with that then? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. That we didn't do anything about that one. I'm confused by that one, and I, I didn't love Saban's comments after that one happened. Um, being very vague about like. Oh well, if you knew the real story, like you might feel differently, like you might be reacting differently. You don't he was scared, all that stuff, and there were some implications made by Sabin without saying what actually happened that I didn't think was very p- professional. I do wonder given his comments yesterday if he would like to revisit those, if he could have it back and do it again, would he? Um I, but I do think that this is a message, a little bit of reestablishing that hierarchy of, hey, I come first in this athletic department, and y'all got to rein it in because too much attention's on Tuscaloosa, Alabama right now. I think that that's, that's a fair thing to speculate about. I think it is too. And given the situation with Tony Mitchell that he was running from police at 141 miles an hour. They found $7,000 of cash and 262 grams of marijuana in his vehicle. If this were a lighter situation, I think the question of given everything else else that has happened, is that why Saban immediately suspended him from the team and made comments? But I think given this situation, you would like to think that the situation was significant enough that it's common sense to suspend him from the team, but... Not always the case when it comes to other programs at Alabama or at other situations. It's probably a lot easier to suspend a freshman who literally has been on campus for what? A little over two months? I mean, he's coming up, I guess he's coming up on three months on campus. Uh, Probably not going to rely on him to be an integral part of that back end next year. I think that that starts a discussion about the difference between Tony Mitchell and what took place with Brandon Miller. About I think the it's easier to, to their, their program. I think it's easier too that Tony Mitchell was actually arrested and was Fair. caught with all of that. And Brandon fair. Miller technically has not been charged. And so that plays into that as well. I did want to make that statement because Mitchell was arrested. He was arrested in Florida and all of that is true. All of the Brandon Miller stuff, we're still trying to figure out we're trying to get more information. It yeah, you. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's a weird situation, man. And, and 
Tuscaloosa continues to find itself under the microscope. We'll see if we have any more information this time tomorrow, but come back 2-4 to four right here on ESPN 106.7, the Wednesday edition of On the Line here tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.